A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another year. It's the end of 2023. Can you believe it? It's almost the future. Uh, Tonight, we've got the top 10 most important true crime stories of 2023. It's a special, a special episode of True Crime this week. Uh, uh, Stay tuned. Yes. Super excited. We are all pumped to have James Renner. James Renner. James Renner has zeroed in. James Renner is once again... Drops a bombshell. Investigative journalist reporter James Renner, who's been on the podcast a long time. And welcome back to True Crime This Week with me, James Renner. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, This is the wrap up, the year end wrap up of the most important true crime cases of 2023. We're going to be counting down all the way to one. It's going to be a little longer than usual, uh, by about 10, 15 minutes or so, I imagine. Uh, but uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, I want to thank Walter, who's behind the camera. As always, Walter's just back from practicing his riz on some baddies in Punta Cana. Uh, uh, that'll never get old for me. I love Muppets. What can I say? Um, before we get started, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listened to True Crime this week, this year. Uh, I love seeing, um, more and more people coming to the show over time. It's built up from like, I I remember getting very excited when there was just a couple hundred people listening way back in 2021 when we launched this thing. Uh, so thank you. Thanks for, you know, staying with me. And, um, I'm happy to announce that I have a brand new podcast coming out in January, just a couple weeks from now. It's super secret. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to jinx it. I think it's an idea nobody's had in the true crime space, which is hard to believe because there's so many true crime podcasts out there, right? But wait for it. A couple weeks, I got this brand new podcast that's going to come out on Tuesdays. Every Tuesday, it's another weekly podcast. I'm going to continue to do True Crime this week on Friday, so don't worry. I'll be here. But let's get to it. Let's let's do this countdown. Let's go. Uh, these are the top 10 most important true crime cases of 2023. At number 10, in February, a 21-year-old woman from Poland came forward on TikTok and said she believed she was Madeline McCann. She shared the same defect in her eye that Madeline had, a little speck on her right eye, and she bared a startlingly 
starting uh, startlingly, is that a word? Is that what I want? She bared a resemblance to the missing young girl. She also said that her family has never been forthcoming about her childhood. Now, Madeline McCann, as you know, was just three years old when she disappeared on a family vacation in Portugal in 2007. It's arguably the uh, biggest unsolved mystery in modern history. Her body has never been found. We don't know what happened to little Madeline McCain. McCann. Um, after this young woman announced that she believed she was the missing girl, she quickly racked up 800,000 followers and the news traveled the globe. It was a huge story earlier this year. Then the story took on an air of credibility when the Polish woman's family refused DNA tests. Everybody was like, whoa, wait a second, what's going on here? Her family released a statement, though, saying, of course, their daughter is not Madeline. They say that they have her birth certificate and hospital documents that prove she is not Madeline. And they went on to say that their daughter suffers from traumatic childhood trauma and has been diagnosed with post-traumatic amnesia. Never heard of that before this case, uh, which explains how she cannot recall her early, early years. Then in April, a spokesperson for that young woman, and I'm not going to name her because this very well may be mostly a mental health situation, although she, she was very public and her name's out there. Uh, this young woman announced that a DNA test had proven that the Polish woman was, in fact, not Madeline McCann. That actually came through her spokesperson, one Dr. Fia Johansson. And that woman, you know, everything about this case is weird. That woman calls herself a private investigator and psychic medium, which only added to the circus. The young woman apologized to the McCanns after that DNA test, but then she kind of took that back a little bit because she asked for another DNA test and flew to L.A. to appear on Dr. Phil. While in California, here's a little update that most people haven't heard about this case. This young woman's phone was confiscated by police who claim that they found explicit photos of children on it, and they alerted authorities back in Poland though no further news has come out about that since April. And number nine, three people were murdered by Beef Wellington this past July. 49-year-old Erin Trudy Patterson was separated from her husband. She invited her parents, uh, I'm sorry, his parents. She invited his parents. It would be less suspicious if she invited her parents, right? No, 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 no. She had separated from her husband invited his parents over for dinner or lunch at her house in Leongatha, which is about 84 miles outside Melbourne, Australia. Now, Erin told them she wanted to discuss the possibility of reconciling with her husband. Don and Gail Patterson arrived with Gail's sister, Heather Wilkinson, and her husband, Ian. Erin served them Beef Wellington, and soon all four of her guests were in the hospital complaining of stomach pains and diarrhea. Gail and her sister Heather died on August 4th. Don died the next day. Ian is the only survivor, but he needed a liver transplant. Police considered the deaths suspicious from the very start and quickly started an investigation of Aaron. 
Aaron had been married to Simon Patterson, Galen Don's son. Back in March of 2022, Patterson, that, that is uh, Simon Patterson, collapsed in his home shortly after splitting with his wife. He spent 21 days in intensive care, but doctors could never determine what, what made him so sick. And every time somebody got sick, Aaron was doing the cooking. So the police looked into the beef wellington, which contained some funky mushrooms and not the good kind. These mushrooms were not store-bought. Police believe Aaron served her in-law's death cap mushrooms, one of the deadliest mushrooms known to man. Aaron even made sure that her kids did not eat that lunch. She prepared a different, different meal for the kids. Now, death cap mushrooms, they look similar to other edible mushrooms and apparently taste absolutely delicious, according to the very few who have survived after eating them. They're responsible for 90% of fatal fungi cases worldwide. Erin claims she'd bought dried mushrooms at an Asian grocery store several months before, but police called shenanigans because they found no evidence of this. However, they did discover a food dehydrator often used for drying mushrooms, which Erin had hide, hid in, in the trash. And then on November 2nd, Erin was charged with three counts of murder five counts of attempted murder for her repeated attempts to poison her husband before all this. Uh, she faces court in May of 2024. At number eight, a teenage girl was sentenced to life in prison in August following a car crash in Cleveland that left her boyfriend and another man dead. I heard about this right at the end, right at the sentencing. Somehow this wasn't on anybody's radar until she got this life sentence. Then it become, became a big deal. And I tell you, the more you look into this, it's one of those cases that it's hinky. That's all I'm going to say. It's hinky up and down. The, this girl's name is Mackenzie Sherilla. In the early morning hours of July 31st, uh, 2022, when she was just 17 years old, Mackenzie was driving through the suburbs of Cleveland in her Toyota Camry, her 20-year-old boyfriend, remember, she's 17, her boyfriend's 20, that would be Dominic Russo. He was in the car along with their friend Davian Flanagan. The three of them had spent the night at a friend's house smoking pot. On her way home, Mackenzie started speeding. The car got up to 100 miles per hour, then crashed into the side of a building. I've been out to the scene. It's, it's, uh, it's like in an industrial park, and the car... Now, here's what wasn't mentioned by the prosecutors in the newspapers. It wasn't a direct shot through the, the stop sign. She, you know, the car kind of veered to the right and then crashed into the building. Anyway, the, the two men inside died. Uh, Mackenzie recovered at a hospital. Uh, Cuyahoga County prosecutors alleged that Mackenzie did this on purpose and charged her as an adult with murder. Her attorney said it was an accident teenager racing down the road who lost control. It's also possible she has some medical conditions and she smoked pot that night. It's possible she suffered a medical episode behind the wheel. She can't tell us because Mackenzie herself doesn't remember any of the events of that night. So her case was presented not to a jury of her peers, but directly to a judge named Nancy Margaret Russo, who is apparently unrelated to that victim, Dominic Russo. Judge Russo found Mackenzie guilty 
and sentenced her to life in prison without the possibility of parole after 15 years. Evidence presented by the prosecutors included a video taken from a nearby business that showed Mackenzie speeding down the road, as well as a note from a doctor who treated Mackenzie that said the girl expressed grief, guilt, and shame, which they said was evidence of consciousness of guilt. Whatever the hell that means, right? The judge said she believed Mackenzie acted with purpose and morphed from a responsible driver to literal hell on wheels during that ride. Now, one thing you should know, in Cleveland, the last name Russo, remember Dominic Russo? You've got Judge Russo. Um, the last name Russo here is kind of equivalent to like being a Kennedy in Massachusetts. Now, uh, I'm not sure if her boyfriend, Dominic Russo, was related to any powerful local politicians, but it's a name that gives pause around here. In Devil's Advocate, let's say Mackenzie is guilty, that she purposefully crashed, which I don't see. Mackenzie was still underage. She was 17. Uh, two adult men got her high on marijuana and then got into the car and let her drive. Um, Dominic, who was made out to look like a perfect kid in the news, especially locally, also had a history of violent behavior. Anyway, the 17-year-old girl was tried as an adult, and she was sentenced to life, even though, in you know, I get into this with the philosophy of crime, you know, you're 17. Your prefrontal cortex does not fully develop until you're 25. Uh, you, know, you look at teenagers, they are almost clinically, technically insane. They have little ability to reason and make conscious decisions that uh, would help others. Um, so, you know, that, that's why you see other states like, I believe it's Illinois, who are um, fiddling with the idea of expanding juvenile, the, the term juvenile, uh, further to at least 21 <clears throat> or 25 um, when your prefrontal cortex is fully developed. So sad story all the way around. This, In some ways, this kind of reminds me of the Amanda Knox case, actually. Uh, Mackenzie was attractive, smart, and you had all these people looking at her as this, you know, femme fatale and pointing out how in court she was smiling and not seeming to, you know, uh, give it her full attention and realize the seriousness of the situation when that was likely just nerves that we were seeing. So um, I want to do more with this case. I don't, hopefully, hopefully I'll have some, some time. There's more to the story, I'm sure. Number seven. 17 year old Rudy Farias was reported missing on March 6th, 2015, while walking his two dogs in a Northwest Houston neighborhood uh, when he vanished. Then he suddenly reappeared out of nowhere. On June 29th this year, police found Rudy Farias sleeping in front of a church not far from his home, covered in cuts and bruises, and what he told them was astounding. Apparently, Farias returned home the day after he was reported missing back in 2015, and his mother had been hiding him in the house ever since. Neighbors say they saw Rudy a couple times over the years, but his mother would say it was just a nephew who looked a lot like him. Why was he kept a secret for seven years? Am I doing the math right? That's eight years. Eight years. 
A victim's advocate from Houston, a guy named Quanell X, spoke to Rudy and told reporters that he kind of relayed Rudy's story to the reporters in the early days. Quanell X said that uh, Rudy's mother scared him into thinking he would be arrested for running away. And so he should keep his, his return a secret. He, um, uh, Quanell X, also alleged that Rudy said, quote, she would ask him to, and Rudy later on came out and confirmed this. So um, the story is that Rudy's mother would ask him to play daddy, and she told him that uh, he had to be her husband. Read into that what you might. Rudy's father was a former police officer who lost his job for rigging speeding tickets before taking his own life in 2014. Rudy eventually spoke to the media and said his mother never kept him in handcuffs or anything, but he felt she had brainwashed him into thinking he would get in trouble if he was ever found. Uh, probably the strangest case of this year, right? And here we are at number six. On August 30th, a 12-year-old boy escaped his home in Ivan's, Utah, and ran to his neighbor's house where he asked for food and water. The neighbor noticed that there was duct tape on the boy's wrists and ankles, and he appeared to be malnourished. So the neighbor called Children's Services. CPS went to the boy's home and found that his 10-year-old sister was also emaciated and malnourished, and that the boy had deep lacerations from being tied up with rope. The children were sent to Utah's Child and Family Services, and, on sep uh, and in September, the children's mother, Ruby Frankie, was charged with six counts of felony child abuse. Now, a lot of people already knew Ruby Frankie. She was a popular YouTube vlogger and host of the Eight Passengers channel, which had 2.3 million subscribers, or had since the channel has since been taken down. Frankie's channel documented her life caring for her six kids, along with her husband, whom she separated from in 2022. Now, after her arrest, it was revealed that followers of the Eight Passengers uh, YouTube channel have been reporting her behavior to DCS for years, pointing to videos in which Frankie had threatened to withhold meals and bed privileges for her children. And if you're thinking, like, wait, uh, Utah, six children, is she Mormon? Ding, ding, yes, yes, you win the Daily Double. Frankie was arrested along with her podcasting partner, Jody Hildebrandt. They're accused of physical injury to the victims and are suspected of subjecting the children to injury or torture, starvation of malnutrition that jeopardizes life and causing emotional harm. Frankie's two sisters and eldest daughter took to social media after the arrest to celebrate the news. This case is still winding through the court systems, and a trial is expected in 2024. Uh, and we'll be, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with the top five biggest stories in true crime in 2023. Don't miss this. Uh, you have no idea what number one is. Maybe you do. I bet you do. It's a big, big story. I will be back in two and two. Please hang up and try again. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back with The French Chef starring Julia Child. All right, the number five biggest true crime case of 2023. Here you go. Who had a confession in the Natalie Holloway case in their 2023 bingo card? I certainly did not. On October 18th, convicted douche canoe, Jorn Vandersloot confessed in detail to the 2005 murder of Natalie Holloway in Aruba. Jorn was the last person to see Natalie before she disappeared and has been the lead suspect in her case ever since. Jorn was in court facing charges of extortion and wire fraud, after trying to get $250,000 from Natalie's family in exchange for telling them about the murder. What was he going to use that for? Like, how many ramen packets can you buy? He's already sitting in... Anyways, prosecutors offered a plea deal to Jorn. If he confessed to Natalie's murder and told them what happened, his sentence for the extortion and wire fraud would be served concurrently with his 28-year sentence for the 2010 murder of Stephanie Flores. Jorn is currently serving that sentence in a prison in Peru. And as far as prisons go, you probably don't want to be a, in a prison in Peru. Jorn took the plea deal and finally provided the truth about what happened to Natalie in Aruba. Jorn said he was walking Natalie back to her hotel that night. And as they walked along the beach, he tried to feel her up. She refused and kneed him in the groin, which is a, just a wonderful sight, isn't it? At least somebody got a hit in when they could. Jorn responded by kicking Natalie in the head, knocking her unconscious. He then took a cinder block he found nearby and dropped it on her face, killing her. Then he took the body into the ocean and pushed it out to sea. Unfortunately, Jorn cannot be prosecuted for that murder, though, since Aruba has a 12-year statute of limitation on murder 
which is weird, right? Uh, but his confession finally gives Natalie's family an answer that they've been searching for for nearly 20 years. Jordan will be in prison until at least 2045, as he recently received an additional 18 years added to his sentence for trafficking cocaine in a Peru prison. At number four, don't hate me, but it's news. Hunter Biden, the son of President Joe Biden, was indicted in federal court on September 14th for several firearms charges. Prosecutors claim Hunter made false statements when purchasing a firearm and possess, possessing a firearm while using a controlled substance, which is illegal. Police responded to an incident in 2018 when a gun owned by Hunter Biden was thrown into a trash can in Delaware. It seems the person who tossed that gun in the trash was Hallie Biden, the widow of President Biden's other son, Beau. And uh, Hallie was in a relationship with Hunter at that time. Keep it in the family, I guess. Hunter was also discharged from the Navy in 2014 after testing positive for cocaine. For those charges, Hunter is facing 10 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. Hunter has admitted to the addiction issues. In his memoir, he says there was a time where he was using crack cocaine every day. Hunter is the first child of a sitting president to face indictment in U.S. history. Now, that same week he was indicted, Republicans announced plans to begin an impeachment investigation against President Biden in an effort to search for evidence of crimes related to business transactions between the Biden family and a U Ukraine oil company via Hunter Biden. Now, um, just this week, uh, that process has, has kicked off. And um, as you probably know, uh, I am a diehard liberal, um, but there, there is a story here that, that legitimately should be covered about Hunter Biden. And I believe the laptop also is a big story. If you go to reputable news sites that have reported a bit on that laptop situation, there are things beyond the pictures of Hunter in that laptop that, that raise some concern. And at the very least, it opens up the president, the most powerful man in the world, as they say, to, uh, to blackmail very easily. So um, the level on secrets and craziness inside the Biden family makes succession look like the Brady Bunch, is, is what I'm saying. Hunter was indicted again on December 7th on nine additional counts related to not paying taxes on time. In at number three, the case against Richard Allen for the murders of Libby German and Abby Williams descended into chaos this year. On October 19th, Richard Allen's defense team withdrew from his murder case after an associate of one of the attorneys leaked gruesome photographs from the crime scene that appeared online. In February 2017, as you know, Libby German and Abby Williams went for a walk on Monon High Bridge in Delphi, Indiana, and there was a killer waiting for them. Their bodies were discovered the next day in the woods, not far from that bridge. The case went cold for a number of years and slowly gained immense interest online, especially on Reddit message boards and Facebook posts where rumors percolated and annoyed police detectives. A review of the case last year led police to arrest Richard Allen for the murders. A search of his house turned up a gun matching the sort used in the crime, 
when he allegedly confessed to the crime multiple times while in custody. Let me repeat that. He's confessed to the crime multiple times while in custody. They, they record those jailhouse phone calls. Attorneys Alan, uh, Alan Baldwin, Andrew Baldwin and Bradley Rossi were representing Alan and their conduct from the start. And um, their, their behavior has been peculiar. Earlier this year, Allen's attorneys filed documents with the court that presented the theory that Libby and Abby were not killed by Allen, but by a cult of Odin worshippers who had infiltrated the local jail. Odin, of course, is a Norse god and father of Chris Hemsworth. Then, around the beginning of October, someone leaked these photographs. The horrific in images were traded among armchair sleuths before they began to appear online. One widely circulated photo shows a tree with blood marks on it. That led some creeps to suggest that the marks were some kind of pagan symbol left behind by the killer. Secret cults, of course, have never killed children in the United States in this way. That stuff only happens in movies. When cults kill people here, they do it in mass suicide pledges, kind of like uh, Heaven's Gate, and you got Jonestown, which wasn't the United States, but that sort of thing. The whole theory itself is just stupid, but there are a lot of stupid people out there. The photographs were also sent to the host of the popular Murder Sheet podcast, which has been covering Delphi for a while. They've been breaking news left and right. Hosts Anya Kane and Kevin Greenlee have consistently revealed new information in that case, and their coverage was likely responsible for pushing authorities to take another look at the evidence, which led them to Allen. The murder sheet came out with two episodes following the dissemination of these photos. In those episodes, Anya and Kevin talked about how the photographs were leaked to them. They immediately reached out to police, and an investigation uncovered the leaker. The person who leaked these photos was connected to that law firm that was representing Richard Allen. This man was able to get the images from the defense team and leak them to another source, who then forwarded them to the murder sheet. That leaker... The guy himself that took the pictures of the pictures has since died by suicide. That led to Judge Francis Gall demanding that Baldwin and Rodzi withdraw themselves from the case following immense pressure from the media. They were not happy to do so. Baldwin's got his own lawyer now, and that lawyer argued that these photos would have been disclosed at trial anyway, so, you know, what's the big deal? Mr. Baldwin trusted a friend to respect his office space, a morning court filing read. He was betrayed. Baldwin promised to start locking his door. Nice job. Uh, a little late, um, a dollar late and a dollar short, as they used to say. But shortly after all that went down, Baldwin demanded to be reinstated as Allen's attorney, which led to a myriad of new court filings that brought the case to a screaming halt, or screeching halt, I think is the term. And that led to the postponement of the trial. Judge Gall also ended up in the hospital about the same time, which further stalled the process. Now, my hunch, for what it's worth, and I might be wrong, my hunch is that sometime in early 2024, we're going to see new lawyers for Allen and a new judge for the court. The number two, the second biggest true crime story of 2023 
On July 17th, Maricopa County Court Judge Sam Myers threw out the no-body homicide case against Michael Turney for the supposed murder of his daughter, Alyssa, who vanished in 2001. The judge said there was no substantial evidence to support a conviction, even before the jury began to deliberate. Prosecutors brought the case to a grand jury after Alyssa's sister, Sarah, organized a social media campaign to pressure police to arrest her father. Until then, police had been reluctant to do so because of the lack of evidence. Um, Alyssa's body has never been found, and she left behind a note saying she was running away. This ruling, when, they, when the judge tossed out the, the case, was a blow to efforts to reform the way true crime is handled in the media. And we're left with two possibilities, neither which is good. Either he was guilty and this online social justice campaign pushed for an indictment before there was evidence, or he's innocent and they just destroyed this guy's life. But um, anyways, this, this case, it, uh, it really is an example of how these online crusades of justice should be and should not be handled. In fact, this ruling will make it harder for future nobody homicides to reach a grand jury. The nobody homicide cases make up a minuscule amount of prosecutions across the United States every year. There's like a handful of them. It's a very hard case to win. Uh, and this is going to make that, um, it's going to be a greater hurdle for the next nobody homicide. I also recommend that you listen if you're interested in this case and uh, what happened behind the scenes. Um, there's an interview with Sarah Turney's former podcast partner, which was conducted by the Murder Sheet podcast. You'll remember them from the last story, right? The Delphi case. Well, the Murder Sheet interviewed uh, the former podcast host of the podcast about Alyssa Turney. And this podcast host was forced to sue Sarah Turney after she was harassed by her and her army of online trolls. It got really ugly. Now, Michael Turney cannot be recharged if Alyssa's body is ever found due to double jeopardy. Uh, he has since gone on TikTok to proclaim his innocence. He's kind of, other than the TikTok stuff, kind of laying low for the moment. Top story of 2023 was the Gilgo Beach serial killings and the arrest of Rex Huerman. In July 5th, this past July... 59-year-old architect Rex Andrew Huerman was arrested in Midtown, Manhattan, after leaving work. Police took him into custody and charged him with three counts of first-degree murder and three counts of second-degree murder for the deaths of Melissa Marthelemy, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello, three women believed to have been murdered by the Long Island serial killer, one of the, one of the big bads that had never been caught. He is, uh, Hewerman is, is suspected of more murders, but is yet to be charged on any more. The story of the Long Island serial killer began on May 1st, 2010, when a sex worker by the name of Shannon Gilbert ran away from a client's home and dialed 911. On a recorded call, she could be heard pounding on doors as she fled the area and stated, they're trying to kill me. That's interesting to note. They are trying to kill me, not he, none. They are trying to kill me. Police asked a man with a cadaver dog to search, and he did. He searched the area for months. Finally, on December 11, 2010, he discovered a skeleton inside a burlap bag, but it wasn't Shannon. 
It was another sex worker named Melissa Bartholomew. Bartholomew. The police descended on the area and discovered the bodies of three other sex workers nearby, Maureen Brainerd, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. These became known as the Gilgo Beach Four. Since then, the remains of 14 other bodies have been found, including Shannon's. Her body was discovered lying face up in a marsh. The search for the Long Island serial killer has spawned books and podcasts and documentaries. And since his arrest, we've learned a lot about Rex. He worked as an architectural consultant in Manhattan since 1987. He lived in a house very near, near Gilgo Beach, where the bodies were found. Uh, kind of a rundown shack if, or cottage, if you've seen it. He had a wife, Aza Ellerup, and they were married for 27 years and had two children. Neighbors say Rex was kind of creepy and not somebody you'd want to approach. Co-workers said that he was adversarial with everyone. Uh, uh, a new task force to find the Long Island serial killer was formed in February 2022. Their focus was on cell phone data. Uh, they took a look at who was calling the women, these sex workers, before they were murdered and discovered that those calls were coming from Midtown Manhattan and also from uh, near Hewerman's home in Long Island, on Long Island. The police took another look at one witness's report of seeing a Chevrolet avalanche outside the home of Amber Costello. Rex drove an avalanche too. Then hairs found on the victim's bodies were linked to Aza Ellerup, Rex's wife. Um, <clears throat> that could be, now that doesn't necessarily imply guilt in Aza's part, uh, because it could be what's called contact DNA, where the DNA ends up on the victim's body because she was transported in a car that Aza had taken a ride in with Rex. Doesn't mean she was there, but that's how we're, one of the ways they were able to link them. Finally, cops pulled a half-eaten pizza out of Rex's trash, and were, and honestly, looking at Rex, it's hard. For, the hardest thing in the story is, is for me to believe that he only ate, ate uh, half of that pizza. Anyways, they pulled this half-eaten pizza out of Rex's trash. They got his DNA and linked it to evidence in the crimes. When they, when they finally got his computer, an exam of his internet history turned up searches for the Long Island serial killer. After his arrest, his wife filed for divorce. Police are now closely looking at uh, unsolved homicides near other property owned by Rex. He had a timeshare in Vegas which was purchased around the time that a sex worker named Lindsay Harries was murdered. He also owned land in South Carolina, and police are looking for connection, uh, connection there between Rex and a missing woman named Alia Bell. In November, it was reported that Rex's wife, who has since divorced him, and their kids will receive $1 million to tell their story for the Peacock Network. Many raise concerns about this since the trial hasn't even happened yet, also, it was revealed in October that a witness is claiming to have attended a swinger sex party at Rex's house with one of the Gilgo Beach murder victims in 1996, a party for which Aza Ellerup was present, allegedly. Now, the big question is, will this documentary through the Peacock Network go forward when so much is still unknown, especially uh, about Aza Ellerup herself? It's a question that will likely be answered in 2024, and you're going to hear it here first on True Crime This Week. And those are the top 10 biggest crime stories 
of 2023. Thank you again for tuning in and uh, enjoy the holidays. Um, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. New Year's, everybody celebrates that, right? Go on and have a good time. Uh, drink, but don't drink too much. Everything in moderation, even moderation. And as uh, the incomparable Murray Saul once said, we got to, 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 get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime, in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.